Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. If you'll stand with me in the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 2. Beginning with verse 1. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born King of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him, so he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so I could do, I too could go and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. You can be seated. This morning, I want to look at this story a little differently. Hopefully, um, breathe something new and and interesting and challenging into it. Today I want to look at how we approach the manger. How we approach the manger. Because what I have found personally, and as being a pastor for the last several years, and a youth pastor for a lot of years, and growing up in church, people typically approach the manger in one of two ways. They approach in humility and and service, or they approach as king of their own lives. They either promote approach in humility, or they approach as king. And what the story of the wise men tells us is the appropriate way to approach Christ during this season. See, we spend so much time making it about ourselves. We approach him as king. King of our own lives. King of our own plans. We live our life in control of our own destinies. Believing that we're in control and believing that we make the choices and believing that God, we sometimes ask him his opinion, but most times we go and storm forth and trudge forth and make our own decisions without him and cause all kinds of destruction in our wake, right? Like a king going forth to conquer And we've replaced the king, the king, with a king. We've replaced the king of kings and the Lord of lords who is supposed to sit upon our hearts and upon the throne of our hearts. We've replaced him with a king, ourselves. We promote our desires and our whims to the spot on the throne where God is supposed to sit. And we live our lives in this manner so that when 
Christmas and the season comes, we no longer recognize the glory because when we approach the manger, we approach it as if we're the king. And that child lying in the manger is barely a child who we celebrate. That he has no power to change our lives. That he has no power to make a difference. No power to provide peace in a peaceless world. No power to provide comfort in a world that's brought up in fear and, and, and right now. And, and, and no power to provide a freedom of anxiety. Yes. We approach him that way and then we wonder why in this season... When life's troubles come and the water rages, a storm rages, the waves get bigger and bigger, and life begins to drown us, and we wonder why we feel so alone. It's because of the way that we approach the manger. Do we approach as king, or do we approach in humility? The wise men are many times referred to as kings, but they were very wealthy, very prominent men who... who were obviously very wise. Ha ha. Uh, they uh, they were studied. They were very very well educated, and as a result, they were very very wealthy. And when the wise men came into Israel, as we've talked in Christmases past, it wasn't just three guys. There were three gifts, but it wasn't just three dudes on camels. Most likely, it was a large procession that came in to the city. Uh, uh, to, to see this child, which is why it came to the attention of Herod. Because if it had just been three dudes walking around, that wouldn't have brought too much attention. But a caravan of people coming in, asking where the king of the Jews is, is likely to get people's attention. And so they came in, and they were genuinely seeking Christ the Savior, and even though they were kings in their own right, and even though they were wealthy and well-educated, and they were the elite in society, when they approached Christ, they did not approach him as kings. They approached him as servants with humility. For they presented him with gifts instead of treating him like the one that should give them gifts. They honored him instead of requiring Mary and Joseph to honor them. They brought the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. They did not expect anything from Mary and Joseph, but they brought the gifts. And even though in all of their wisdom and in all of their high, their, their great education and with all of their wealth, they still approached the throne, the, 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 they still approached Jesus with humility. We have to strive to approach our God with humility. To approach him with an attitude of service. To serve and not be served. Many of us like to be served. In fact, we treat God as if he is someone to be stored upon a shelf until we need something. And when we need something, we get him down and we pray and we cry and we stop and we fast until we get what we want. That's right. And if we don't get what we want, we bottle them back up, put them on the shelf, and pout. And throw temper tantrums. And are angry and bitter. And then the next time we need something, we pull them out again. Why? Because we believe God serves us. And that's not how it's supposed to be. We serve God. Yes, amen. We belong to Him. It's not the other way around. Paul wrote that we are slaves to Christ. 
That means we were bought with a price that he owns us. And when someone owns you, they owe you nothing. But you owe them your service and your love and your humility. We're to be humble before God. Now, make no mistake, God loves us and he does not treat us like slaves. He treats us like loving servants. He loves us. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? The Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible teaches us that God is love and that God loves us all. And so therefore, he does not treat us like slaves. He treats us like his children. Yes. But make no mistake, you and I were bought with a price and we serve him. He does not serve us. And we must not get it twisted in our world of consumerism, in our world of wanting immediate gratification and believe that somehow God serves us Amen. and that he owes us something. Amen. Because if God never does another thing for you, he still deserves to be worshipped yes. and glorified Amen. and praised. Amen. If he never answers another prayer, he still deserves to be honored. Yes. He deserves our glory and our honor no matter what. Amen. We serve him. He does not serve us. And we approach him. We must approach him with humility. Yes. We must approach him with a heart of service. And when you and I approach Christ with humility, we will serve him. And in serving him, we will serve others. See, part of serving Christ is being his hands and his feet in a lost and a dying world. Amen. Part of serving Christ is reaching those who the world thinks are unreachable. Amen. Serving those who the world has written off. Serving those who the world has decided somehow are not worthy. We who serve Christ must serve others. For Jesus said, he who makes himself first will become last. And he who is last will become first. We must serve others. And serving Christ, we serve others. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Consider others as more important than yourselves. If we approach Christ with humility, and we approach God with humility, we will serve others. We will not put our selfish desires ahead of others. Part of the problem in the church today and in our world today, not just the church, but in our world today, is that everything we do, we do with ulterior motives. Amen. We do with the desire to get something back. When I give, I expect something in return. We do that with God and we do that with others. I know someone right now who's struggling because they believe that they gave and they gave and they gave and God ignored them. And so therefore there was no quid quo pro. And because there was no quid quo pro, they became disheartened and angry and upset. Yeah. Because they gave and they gave. There are those who give to others and they give uh, graciously. But down deep inside and subconsciously, they give because they have a desire to get something in return. They give a gift, expecting a gift. And that's not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works when you and I give without any expectation of return. Because Jesus Christ gave his life without any expectation of return. Amen. Yes. 
we serve, we give. And if that person never utters a thank you, we did it as if we were giving it to God himself because in humility we approach the throne. And so in humility we serve Christ. And in humility we serve others. And when you are humble, you expect no reciprocation. One of the things Dave Ramsey teaches is that when you uh, have family members who want to borrow money, that you never loan money to a family member. You give it as a gift. Why? Because when you give something, thinking that you're going to get paid back, when the terms of the agreement are not met, guess what? It causes anger and frustration and bitterness and resentment. So it's better just to give without an expectation of return. Giving and humility, and without selfish ambition, is freedom. Amen. That's freedom. Being able to give and meet the needs of others without expecting something in return, that brings freedom. Amen. For I am free from a debt. Yeah. I free them, mm-hmm. and I free myself. Because while I may not be the debtor, I am the creditor. (laughs) And as a creditor, I have obligations and expect certain, uh, what's the right word? A certain etiquette. I expect a certain protocol. I expect to be paid back. Therefore, I am bound to that debt. (laughs) Why do you think when you don't make your credit card payments on time, you get phone call after phone call? Because there is a responsibility of the creditor to collect the debt. Why? Because in their minds and in the world of business, guess what? Without collecting the debt, they lose something. Mm-hmm. You and I cannot have the attitude of a creditor that when we do not collect what's owed us, that we are missing something. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we can't miss anything if we are humble before Christ and he is Lord of our life. We're missing nothing. We have everything. So therefore in life, never approach giving and serving as a transaction. Amen. It is a gift of humility and service. Yes. And if I approach my Christian walk not as a creditor, but as a servant, it'll change everything. Yes. There would be far less hurt people in the church if we approach life as servants and not creditors. If we approach each other with humility and without selfish ambition. Now many people are not, they're not striving when they start out to be generous. They're not doing so in their minds, eagerly expecting return. Many times it is very much subconscious. You're, you're not doing it necessarily. You're thinking to yourself, I'm doing this freely without expectation of return, but subconsciously in the selfish part of us, that selfish ambition is wanting something in return. And we don't realize how much we want something in return until we don't get it. Amen. Didn't they see that I supplied such and such words by pat on the back? Didn't they see that I organized this and I did this? Where's my little bit of uh, praise? And that's not how it works. Amen. My uh, Folks, those who have been in the kingdom of God any amount of time know that if you're waiting for a pat on the back from the church, you're usually not going to get one. <laughs> right? You're not going to get all the praise that you want and all the glory that you want. You're not. Right? So we're not going to get 
what we want because we have everything we need. Amen. And that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. How do we approach him this season? How do we approach God? Are we giving to others or are we wanting to get? Or are we giving to get? How are we approaching Christ this season with humility? Or are we approaching desiring for our will to be done and not his will to be done? Let's continue to look here at Philippians chapter 2. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Why? We are to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, that every knee shall bow and have it on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If Christ was obedient to the Father to the point of death, if Christ gave up his throne so he could come and take on human flesh and live as a servant upon this earth for 33 and so years, you and I can easily serve and give that which God has blessed us and give us, made us stewards over. Just like he sacrificed, we too should sacrifice. Amen. Not give from our abundance, but sometimes we must give from our lack. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about when you are emotionally spent. And that one person needs a hug. And you don't feel like giving them a hug. You don't feel like you have your own problems and your own issues and your own things that you're dealing with. Emotionally spent. Go see that person in need. And out of your lack. Give them something. And here's a great thing about God. When I give out of my lap, he has a habit of replacing of more and abundantly more than I could ever possibly think or imagine. He has a habit of refilling full and overflowing when I give out of my lack. Oh, but I've been hurt and I've been traumatized and things have been so tough and someone has hurt me. Offer forgiveness. Because the Bible says that when you and I give forgiveness, it will be returned to us, pressed down, shaken together, fold up, and running over. When we give others forgiveness. When we give the others out of our lap, it is returned to us by our Savior. But that's not why we give. Because sometimes he tests us. He tests our attitudes. Well, God, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to get upset again when I don't get quid quo pro. Every once in a while, he gives us a quick test. Are you going to get upset? Are you going to get hurt? You're going to get offended when they don't meet your need the way you met their need. Every once in a while, he's still going to let you know you're human. And you still need his grace and his mercy. And every day we need to spend time with him saying, God, help me to be the servant, the humble servant that you want me to be. To approach you in humility and service. 
Let this season be a challenge to you and I to serve and not be served. To love even though we may not have that reciprocated back to us. To show mercy, to give grace, to give forgiveness. Listen, to give grace that we want given to us. You may not get that grace from someone, but give them the grace. Give grace, give forgiveness, give love, give mercy without expectation of return. And we serve a God who will give you exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could possibly ask or think. Yes. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. The God who knows your needs better than you know your needs. The God who knows what fulfills you better than you know what fulfills you. Amen. So let's leave it up to him. Leave it up to him to reward his servants. Because he knows exactly what you and I want and need at the time that we need it. And he will make sure that he provides to us according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us stand. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach the loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.